I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode. I have Luigi Denario DeMeo with me today. He is the Vice President of Business Development and Ecosystem at Ava Labs. Luigi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Uh, as we were just joking about, we have misery in the teams that we root for. You can see it in the backgrounds of our screens here. So we have a lot of fun You know, before we actually got the call here. Uh, Ava Labs is Avalanche. For those that don't know, it is one of the layer one blockchains in the ecosystem right now. There's a lot of exciting things that have happened there over the last few years. Um, we had Kevin, uh, who is one of the co-founders of Avalanche on many, many, many years ago. And what I'm finding is that I'm bringing a lot of those teams back. Like I had uh, the, the CEO of uh, Scale Labs with me the other day. I spoke to Jack many years ago when it was theoretical. I spoke to Kevin when it was theoretical. Uh, I spoke to Anatoly when it was theoretical. It's not theoretical anymore. So really exciting to hear about all the things that are happening there. Again, just to set the the kind of the tone, Luigi has a lot of experience. He came from the world of TradeFi and then has crossed the chasm here. So very quickly, in 30 seconds or so, just quickly go over what you did before this and then what inspired you. What I really want to hear is what inspired you to come to the Ava Labs? So yeah, like you mentioned, I I, I was on I was in TradeFi for a while. I worked at Citigroup for, for about seven years, uh, holding multiple roles, but mainly as a trader, trading derivatives and cash products. Got involved in crypto in very early 2011, trading Bitcoin. Got the thesis completely wrong. Uh, sold it when Apple Pay came out. So you know, was able to get back in. But you know, also built my own crypto product in 2017. So founded a VC funded startup. Um, went down every rabbit hole. Learned a lot. Uh, ultimately, came to Labs because uh, I tried to build that product on multiple chains that didn't scale, and I was very intrigued by Avalanche's consensus and white paper that came out. So wanted to join the cause and help out. And it's almost three years now. So I will, uh, yeah, it'll be three years and, and two months that I've, that I've been here at Apple Labs. The L1 chain shopping. This is something from my seat, obviously, as a VC, a lot of our teams are always doing that. It's called chain shopping for those that don't know it. Uh, it can be exhaustive because there's a lot of chains out there. Um, and uh, obviously, it also can be enlightening to the point where you actually want to go there. So we're going to dive right into this. For those that know Avalanche, uh, the first minute here is, or a few minutes here are going to be a little repetitive. But again, there's a larger audience here that may not know the components of Avalanche and some of the things that are happening there. We're just going to go very quickly into the consensus mechanism and what are some of the things that make Avalanche special. And then we're going to go into things like Avalanche Evergreen subnets, and we're going to go into Ava Cloud. These are things that are newer to the Avalanche community that are starting to have 
some really good sticking points with institutions, with games, a lot of different sectors out there. But very quickly, so Avalanche Consensus is a consensus protocol that is scalable, robust, and decentralized. It combines features of both classical and Nakamoto consensus mechanisms to achieve high throughput, fast finality, and energy efficiency. I want to know, you know, again, the energy efficiency point there was very interesting to me that you all put that there as a sticking point. So why is that? Uh, why is energy efficiency something that you and other L1s out there have been openly talking about for the last few years? Well, the crypto um, ecosystem has, you know, been criticized uh, from, from non-crypto folks uh, consistently about the uses of energy. Um, they don't see value in, in a lot of the use cases, and thus they point to the consumption of energy. I mean, this is predominantly for proof of work with Bitcoin, but, you know, with proof of stake, this is obviously much more energy efficient. And with the Avalanche Consensus Protocol, it's very lightweight, and because it's lightweight, it can do a lot of activity without, you know, as much computation as others. So, not sure if you want me to get into the to the consensus mechanism at a high level. Yeah, we goal. can talk about it. And for those that are the enthusiasts, especially the avalanche community that's going to be listening to this, no, I'm not going to ask Luigi about metastable mechanisms. You know, we're not going to go there. Not um, going that far. Yeah. And, and for those that you know wanted to know that I knew about those, I know about those, but we're not going to go there. That's not the purpose of the show. But we know about a lot of, the, obviously, the really interesting components of the consensus mechanism. Yeah, just quickly, as people are thinking about you versus, you know, traditional Ethereum or Solana or other L1s, what is the consensus mechanism there? And then we're going to talk specifically, I want you to hit on this adaptive security component of that. This is to, to resist various attacks, including Sybil attacks and DDoS and other collusion attacks. This industry has had, you know, leaps and bounds in growth, but security and hacks and exploits have been the real problem over the last year and a half to two years. Billions of dollars have been drained. So talk a little bit about what makes the consensus mechanism different and better comparable to others, in your opinion, and then talk about that adaptive security component. Yeah, well, on the consensus, uh, you know, classical consensus is what's generally been used in distributed systems for years decades and decades. And what Avalanche brought to the market is the fact that you don't need to have all-to-all -all communication in order to have high degrees of, of, uh, of, of certainty on finality. Meaning, like in something like Ethereum proof of stake or Tendermint, which Cosmos uses, you need every node to speak to every node. Well, there's, a, there's an N-squared problem there. With Avalanche, instead, they created this interesting algorithm that effectively does subsampling. So basically each node samples a bunch of other nodes and really quickly, you, can, you know, there's many diagrams online, you can get to the answer um, with very, very, very high degree of, of probability that, you know, the, the nodes have come to the same conclusion. So right. that has allowed Avalanche to get, you know, on the C chain, one to two seconds of finality, pure finality, transactions done once it's done. And, uh, you know, on subnets, it could get to 500 milliseconds. And we're, we, you know, I think Emin has recently stated that we aim with Avalanche 2.0 to get to 250 milliseconds. Don't think you can get much faster than that just because of, you know, network bandwidth. But that's a, that's a big difference in terms of Avalanche versus versus other mechanisms. Um, yep. So there's just less overhead in terms of security. You know, I would say like there hasn't been a lot of hacks and exploits on the protocol level of like L1s and L2s and things like that. They've been mainly at other layers like bridge layers, you know, DAP layers, et cetera. 
And, you know, interestingly enough, like what the exploits are usually in two buckets. One is smart contract exploits, which are simply faulty code or faulty oracles or abuse of those things. Right. And then the other is uh, in bridges. And a lot of those hacks have been, most of them have been with like web two security hacks, like yeah. social engineering, various ways to get access to keys, you know, things that aren't necessarily a 51% attack of a chain. Like that has that hasn't happened yet, as far as I'm aware. So you know, it's important to distinguish where the security, uh, I think, issues lie. Yeah, and just to get back to your point about the consensus mechanism and about the nodes and how they operate, it's. I was just visualizing a bar with you know 200 people there, and if there are you know all of you, if you see just a sea of green shirts, you know it's a Jets bar. You don't have to look. You don't have to ask every single person there. But if you see a sea of green jerseys, you know it's a Jets bar. It's basically the same thing. I, I had to go back there again. So in talking, you know, furthering about, again, the use cases and how Avalanche has started to come into its own in the industry, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about now, there's the kind of the trade five things that are happening, which are really interesting with Citibank and others out there. But then there's gaming. And we're going to talk a lot about gaming because we've been talking about a lot about gaming on the show for the last few weeks anyway, the last few years. Avalanche Evergreen Subnets. Most financial institutions require permissions and controls typically only found in private enterprise blockchains. Private blockchains, not so good. Uh, however, closed networks create wall gardens that reduce the liquidity, interoperability, and composability that come with public blockchain-based innovation. That's correct. That's been the problem. So with evergreen subnets, institutions can account for company-specific and industry-wide considerations through built-in features. What are those? And why is this why is this working now? Well, this is actually starting to work. You're starting to see some real traction here. Why is it working? Yeah, great question. Um, so for anybody who isn't aware, Avalanche is a network of networks. Uh, people can deploy their own subnets. Subnets are effectively new chains that can be any type of virtual machine. So you could deploy an EVM subnet, Move subnet, Solana virtual machine subnet, et cetera. It's completely agnostic. Um, all those subnets are interconnected and can communicate with each other with something called Avalanche Warp Messaging, AWM. That's our communication protocol. And one of the use cases for subnets is, uh, as you mentioned, evergreen subnets. And we can explain why this is interesting to a lot of you know, traditional finance institutions. So a lot of people ask, well, if we get a public chain with enough bandwidth and throughput, will we be able to get the institutions to come on this public chain? Well, as far as I can tell, in every conversation I've had, there's been thousands of them. That's not going to happen anytime in the near future. Institutions want some degree of control over the network in which they operate. Um, those can be for many reasons. They want uh, control over which jurisdictions the validator is in, which jurisdictions the wallets are in, you know, whether they meet some sort of regulatory compliance, et cetera. So this can all be pre-programmed in the subnet, Nevergreen subnet. So... One of the ones that we launched was Spruce, uh, which is a test net with, uh, in partnership with Wellington, T. Rowe, uh, and, and Wisdom Tree. And that, that basically has all KYC validators at the chain level. It has an allow list for contract deployers and allow list for wallets um, that basically define who can actually access the subnet. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, you can do a number of things with respect to you know, KYC and jurisdiction boundaries for these validators. And that's some of the stuff that the institutions are, are excited about. Two use cases we recently did um, and announced at, at, at the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS's Project Guardian. Um, one was with JP Morgan, and they basically built this very cool product uh, to 
automatically rebalance private funds on chain. And this is like, you know, I forget the I forget the number in terms of the operational savings that that they that they track, but mm-hmm. basically it allowed them to sort of update funds across the board continuously. And that was a big operational savings. The other one was uh, with Citigroup, and that was effectively uh, a foreign exchange FX RFQ subnet to request for quote. And basically, they built a subnet where the nodes effectively would act as right now the way TradeWeb or Bloomberg acts as. Right. So you have that pipe, you direct go from deal to client. So sort of, in, you know, removing an intermediary as this space has been trying to do for a while. So. Those are two interesting use cases, and I think the flexibility of subnets uh, is what's attracting institutions, plus one more item, plus the fact that these subnets can communicate with each other. So if you think about it, let's say one day I have a JP Morgan subnet and a city subnet, those two subnets can speak to each other with no third-party bridge. They just use the communication protocol, and the only entities involved in that communication are their own validators. Wow. whom they already trust, right? So there's no additional trust assumption incurred at that point. That's pretty mind-blowing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because that's the difference between the private chains, right? Like when you have the private chains, if they all have their own private chain, how do they talk to each other? Exactly. They don't, I don't trust you. You don't trust me. Who's going right. to like this? Yeah. Exactly. When do you think, just not holding you to it more philosophically here, when do you think something like that actually rolls out in, in mass? Is it years? Or is it decades? Yeah, I would say I would say it's definitely years. Uh, I don't think it's decades. I was I I spent you know we have Morgan Kropetzka in our team who runs uh, institutional capital markets and I support her uh, on this on, on on that initiative. I was pretty impressed um, by the depth of knowledge at a lot of these firms. We did many technical deep dives, went into their offices for five six hours whiteboarding. Um, they they understand the technology, particularly the EVM, yep. um, at a deep level, and they are really thinking about interesting use cases. I would say, like four years ago, they were thinking about very surface level things. Um, whereas today, uh, you know, for example, with the RFQ or or, or even the fund, um, those are very practical things to implement. Yeah. I think once we get a little bit more regulatory clarity, the floodgates will open, and I do think like something. Like you've seen with respect to the uh, uh, the Bitcoin ETF, just provides a little bit of credibility that makes them more comfortable. You know, right. I tell the story uh, right after FTX, we had a number of initiatives with institutions that we were, you know, underway with, and they all went to a complete halt the yeah. month after. Every single one called us and said, "We're not doing this anymore." And you know, as months went by, and you know, kind of the world like sort of healed a little bit. Um, you know, they, they picked up the pieces and started working on it again. And you saw the, the results of that at the end of the year. But it just goes to show you how much like reputation and, and um, you know, public public perception uh, really steer these things. Mm, I agree. So let's talk a little bit about the next sector that you all are starting to really hammer down on is gaming. Uh, so games like Shrapnel, for instance, um, and a few others out there. There's one that's in combo with Microsoft that you guys have been working on too. This is real games. This is you know we're this is 2024 as we've been talking to Robbie and IMX. Yeah, mm-hmm. at IMX we're talking to the guys at Polygon. You know everyone sees gaming as the portal, and I've said this for years. 
Uh, gaming is the portal. You have 3 billion people around the world that, you know, play games every day, pretty much, whether they're highly intensive, you know, kind of Call of Duty to your, you know, everyday type of game on your mobile device that is just for, you know, for kicks. Gaming is really important to the overall sector, overall sector of, of digital assets and blockchain. So Ava Cloud is aiming to create a custom blockchain dead simple. It's what you guys have been able to do there. So for game devs, this means they can spin up their own gaming subnet quickly without extensive Web3 experience or expertise. Focus on just making the game fun and not having to worry about all the ins and outs and the plugs and all the things that happen on the back end of the Web3 side. How does this work? And overall, beyond just, you know, kind of speed to market, what are some of the benefits there? Is it, you know, because it reaches hundreds and thousands of game developers out there? Is it because it, you know, it just makes, you know, coming to market faster? You know, so how does it work? How does this AvaCloud product work? And how does it, you know, what do you think that's going to do for gaming, you know, for Avalanche and for the sector? Yeah, great question. So AvaCloud is a product developed by AvaLabs. This product effectively, the way you can think about it is similar to like how people deploy and set up AWS instances. This is what we're basically building for people to build blockchains. So uh, you go into a GUI or UI and you want to build a blockchain. There's certain variables and things that you can, you know, customize. You could do that right through the UI and deploy the blockchain in a few minutes. That's all done via, via that product. We have, and we've signed up many enterprise clients and also small builders as well who don't want to deal with the, you know, the extra complexity of monitoring and maintaining a network, you know, that can be done there. We also have a team internally that can be, you know, sort of uh, outsourced to handle this stuff for a project. Um, but, but what AvaCloud allows for is sort of bringing down the knowledge level to the launch and network. And so time to market is what it solves for. Right. And I would say, like, in general, uh, gaming has been one of the largest uh, clients for this, obviously also enterprise and institutions. But in terms of gaming, I think we realized this was going to be a big sector maybe three years ago or so. We invested heavily in it, heavily in it. Um, you know, Ed Chang leads our efforts there. He is uh, one of, you know, he's formerly EA. Some of the games that we have coming online, I'm really excited about. I mean, we don't need to get into the, to why gaming's uh, going to be a good use case. I think it's pretty clear. Like yep. the demographic is ideal for crypto, yep. you know, uh, ownership of assets, et cetera. Um, but in terms of the games that I'm really excited about and what we have coming, it's like all happening in the next like three months. I would mm-hmm. say three six months. So it's really a culmination period for us. Um, we have Shrapnel, as you mentioned, AAA shooter game that's going to be really, really excited. Their own subnet, you know, has raised tons of money. Uh, Tokens live already, and a lot of people are excited about that one. Um, TSM, um, the esports team, has their app called the Blitz app. Uh, that that hosts many titles like League of Legends, a lot of games that are played there, about 30 million users. Um, they're going to be, that subnet is live, and they're about to turn on the sort of, uh, it's called their Web2 Spigot sort of siphoning, you know, bringing their users into the subnet now. So mm-hmm. we're really excited about that. And then, uh, you know, there is the Beam subnet, which is from Merit Circle. Uh, they have about 12 games signed up, really pumped about that effort. And then one of the ones I'm really excited about is Godzilla Games. Um, they're, they're a company uh, who built a game called, uh, it's called Off the Grid. This game is, in my opinion, one of the coolest games I've ever seen. Uh, it's been 
it's literally been uh, in development for almost four years, uh, and it's about to go live. It's going to be a console game, PlayStation, Xbox game with the subnet behind it. You know, I, 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 I am excited to say that, like, I think this is the first shot in crypto to bring real adoption this game in particular so and let's just, let's talk about that very quickly so you just alluded to that's going to be on a console so that's going to be on your xbox and your, your ps5 and right that has not happened as far as i know that has not happened Agreed. up until this point yeah. so again listen this game is going on consoles on xboxes and ps5s this has not happened in this space up until this point it is a shatter the ceiling type of moment here so again really excited for you guys on that but that is just a point i need to make sure people know is that this is just a huge you know we just had the bitcoin etf and now we're having games on consoles you know it's it's kind of like let's break down the walls people it's huge and like look at the end of the day it's got to succeed and everything but you know, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. Mm. And, you know, you always hear a lot of noise in the space. Oh, we have this big game. and this big right. game. This big... I can tell you, like, this team, this game, you know, if there's a shot, this is the one. Yep. And, um, you know, the fact <laughs> that, like, a 16 to 18-year-old kid is going to be playing on their PS5 and ha- having ownership of NFTs and then also being introduced to the tokens like this is this is going to open up a whole new world of people who will finally have their first wallet in crypto and yep. then start to understand what to explore and then maybe those users will start to think about defi maybe they like get interested in nfts maybe exactly. they like you know so that and that's this is what we're trying to do at avalanche we're trying to bring new people in i agree so the last thing that we like to have you know people kind of opine about so Back in June of 23, you, know, you guys hit 1 million active addresses, which was fantastic. It was huge. And obviously, you know, with some of the initiatives that you've had with Evergreen, with Ava Cloud, some of the things that we talked about, you know, you know, 24 is looking you know, like it could be another year where you see some all-time highs with that. For 24, what we'd like to do is the next, you know, say six to 12 months, what are some of the milestones? What are some of the things that the listeners need to be prepared for, looking for? Uh, we'll make sure everyone has show notes on, you know, kind of where to look for. But what are some of the things that, you know, they should be looking out for from you guys? Ooh, well, um, that's a great question. We covered a lot of the gaming stuff, which I think everybody should pay attention to. In terms of the technical stuff, like we have a few key items to deliver upon on the, you know, basically on our roadmap this year. One is um, uh, completion of the Avalanche Warp Messaging AWM protocol. Number two is Firewood which is a database we built in-house that basically is just built for blockchains and should be should be well-optimized to sort of increase the throughput of BBM. And then the last one is the Hyper SDK, which is basically our own SDK that is super high throughput, something like Solana, but for your own, for your own blockchain, for your own subnet. Those are three big technical things we want to deliver upon this year um, in terms of like addresses, uh, use cases. I want to see more subnets. You know, it's time for this. Like, I think we, we have 100 or so. I'd really like to see that number triple at a minimum this year. Um, and, and and to do that, you know, we need things like Cloud. We need things like, you know, experimentation from startups. We have a new program called Codebase, which is like the Y Combinator, YC of Web3. Those are people getting $50,000 stipends to build products. Like we have a lot of the infrastructure here to, you know, sort of, let you know basically like throw the gasoline on the fire now 
Right. Like we have the infrastructure. So um, those are some of the things I take a look at. Um, I think we also have some enterprise subnets that there should there should be some milestones with with SK Planet. Would like to see that um, you know continue to grow and uh, and obviously on Evergreen. You know, I think we'll we'll continue to hit some some really nice uh, some really nice uh, singles across the board on that. Well, this was an amazing conversation, Luigi. Thank you so much again. Luigi Denario DeMeo, who is in charge of business development, the ecosystem at Ava Labs. Fantastic conversation. Super excited for you guys in 2024. And uh, hopefully in you know a few months, maybe towards the end of the year, we'll have you back on, kind of talk through all the things that you talked about in the beginning. But thank you, yeah, Luigi, and have a good one. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.